Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Very much appreciate you tuning in tonight. An hour from now, we have a global news special, Coronavirus Canada in Crisis. Very important show to listen to as we take you through this. 42 new cases in Alberta today. There have been a total of 301 over the last couple of weeks. 18 people hospitalized, seven are in intensive care. My name is Reed Wilkins. Gene Principe and Angela White joined us in the first hour of the show. You've heard the Canadian Olympic Committee's decision that Canadian athletes will not go to the Olympics if they are held in 2020. They want them postponed to 2021. That includes the Paralympic Games, which are currently scheduled for August 25th to September 6th in Tokyo. And that impacts an Alberta athlete who is one of the best in her sport. Please welcome back to Inside Sports, a member of the Canadian women's wheelchair basketball team, Aaron Young. Aaron, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. You? I'm doing very well. It is nice to catch up with you. Man, It's uh, it's been a few years since we had you on the program, and, and your career hasn't slowed down since then. So we want to talk about that, but let's start with the news of the last 24 hours here. Your, your reaction, what went through your mind and your heart when you saw the Canadian Olympic Committee said, hey, if the games are in 2020, we're not going to go. Um, you know, I was pretty heartbroken when I found out about the news and not only myself, but my teammates as well. But, you know, it makes sense with the situation happening. Um, they're prioritizing the athlete and staff's health and, you know, we have to support that. And yeah, it totally sucks, but it might give us an extra chance to be better as a team and individuals for the potential 2021 Tokyo Paralympics. Now, this would have been your first Paralympics, right? Uh, no, I was in Rio. You were in Rio, okay. I, was, I wasn't sure. Your bio was <laughs> complete then, Aaron. you got to get somebody to update that. So you, you were in Rio. What was that experience like? Uh, I loved every second of Rio. I was super young going into the game, so I kind of was like a sponge absorbing the environment and the uh, culture there, and I really loved it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't do... As great as we thought, we placed fifth, and uh, that kind of just fueled my fire to be one of the best uh, wheelchair basketball athletes I could be. And that was a bit of a surprising result because didn't Canada win the world title in 2014? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So a bit of a, well, I'm not trying to bring up bad memories, but I'm trying to establish, you know, in some sports, if you say Canada finishes fifth, you're happy. Um, yeah. But in some sports, if you say Canada finishes fifth, you're unhappy. So you guys obviously expected to be on the podium, if not at the top of it four years ago. Yeah. So what happened? Was it just a bad bad week, some bad luck, a slump? What what happened? Uh, I would say it was just uh, bad luck. Um, we ended up tying third. Uh, we all, There were three teams that ended up being first in our pool, and we were one of them. And just with... Um, point difference and stuff we ended third and crossed over with an extremely hard team and we just couldn't pull through and 
you know, that kind of set us off. And uh, we ended up winning our last game against China, I believe, which put us in fifth. And, you know, ever since then, we've been um, fueling our fire to be better since then. Well, you can say it. You've been peeved for the last four years, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Aaron, th- thanks for sharing uh, your thoughts here. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, it's uh, probably the right thing. Hopefully they're postponed to 2021 and then you guys go there and, and, and you kick some butt. In terms of uh, what's what's happened with you, let's let's catch people up. Uh, are you finished at Alabama now? When did you finish? I just finished uh, this semester, but unfortunately because of the uh, virus, I had to come home early because they closed down the school. Oh, wow. Okay. So are you back in Legal now? Yep. All right. Uh, so what was it? Tell us what it was like in at the University of Alabama over the last two or three weeks when this started to, to ramp up and we, we really started to realize there was a problem here. Uh, it was really hectic and chaotic. Uh, we were actually supposed to gear up for our nationals, and we were told that they were canceled because of the virus, and that would have been my last time to win a national championship. So I was extremely heartbroken through that and then realizing that now I have to move in March instead of May so I had to pack up my apartment in the next couple days and kind of get out of town before it got worse. So are you currently in in quarantine for the couple of weeks or have you done that already? I am day three in self-quarantine. So you can just come on the show every night then. Yeah. You got plenty of time for us. So, uh, and how's everybody in Legal doing? Uh, they're pretty good. You know, the, every town is pretty much like closing down shops just to, you know, stay healthy and not spread what is already spread. And, you know, I'm just really glad that, you know, Alberta is coming together to stay away and self-quarantine and, you know, get everyone healthy so this doesn't get worse. I want to go back to to your school here. How many how many schools in the NCAA play women's wheelchair basketball? Like, what, what, how large was the tournament you were about to move into? Uh, there is only the women's uh, college wheelchair basketball is a lot smaller than the men's. There was only five teams, and going into the tournament, we were ranked number one. So it was a huge deal for us to play and perform, and you know, hopefully win on my last ever college tournament but it never happened yeah had you, had you sorry had you ever won nationals before in ncaa i have i've won two out of my five years oh, this would have been bad. my third okay well we're going for three which is which is pretty cool so what are the other schools that play and do you have to travel a lot for for games yeah um there's a uh, university of illinois uh uh Sorry, University of Arlington, Texas, uh, University of Arizona, University of Whitewater, and then there's University of Alabama. So we travel a lot on bus to get to the places we need to go. So you usually spend about, I would say, 15 hours on the bus uh, to get to the tournament, play three or four games, and then 15 hours back. And usually we get back at, like, Monday at one or two in the morning and then we go to school <laughs> oh wow okay so it's 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 a busy schedule to, yeah. to to say the least how did you get recruited to go to alabama uh honestly lots of canadians have been through the university of alabama's program and 
the girls that have went there have all been really impactful with Team Canada. So I always knew I wanted to go. And uh, Brent Harden, who's the uh, performance uh, program person in Alabama, randomly emailed me and was like, hey, I've seen you play. I'm very interested in you. And then I came on a recruiting trip and fell in love with it ever since. Okay, awesome. I, I, I don't know if you've noticed the football team's pretty big there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, you, have you been to any football games? I've been to multiple games, and it is absolutely wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big deal down there, and they got a pretty good team pretty much every year as well, which, which mm-hmm. helps as well. Erin Young joining us. She's from Legal, Alberta, plays for the Canadian women's uh, wheelchair basketball team. She was hoping to go to her second Paralympics in, uh, in August. That's obviously going to be put on hold with the decision here. Erin, how old are you now? I am 23. Okay, so you're you're still uh, you're still very young. So you're finishing up your college career. You told us how you got recruited. Can you tell us um, Can you tell us the the nature of your injury that led you to, into wheelchair basketball? Uh, yeah, it's originally through um, indoor box lacrosse. Um, I was kind of running up with the boards with the ball, and I got hit illegally and basically blew out my whole right knee and tore my ACL messed up my meniscus and I was out for a long time and when I came back I just wanted to play basketball and that's it and then one of my last games of basketball I went to intercept a pass and I didn't want to land on my uh, already weak right leg so I tried to land more on my left and ended up blowing out my left knee (laughs) tearing my ACL messing up my meniscus and ended up fracturing my femur and my tibia my God, <laughs> pain just listening to you describe that. So, Wasn't bad. <laughs> so your, your knees are, are blown out, to use layman terms, then? Yeah. But you are able, you don't use a wheelchair on a, on a daily basis, though. No, I can, um, I can walk, and, like, depending on how far I walk, like, you can tell I have a limp. But for the most part, all I do is walk. I can't do anything else. So I want to ask you something because, again, referencing uh, your bio here, I, I read somewhere that you are a 4.5 player. Can you tell us what that number means as it pertains to wheelchair basketball? Yeah, so um, in wheelchair basketball, there's a classification system from a 1.0 all the way to a 4.5. And a 4.5 would be a minimal disability, and that's what I am. And usually a 4.5 is like a center. And... A class one is usually someone that has uh, a pretty high spinal cord injury. Um, usually they're in wheelchairs and they have, um, they're like the workhorses of the team. They do so much to get uh, us four fives into the key. And in a game, you're only allowed 14 points total on court. Oh, I see. Okay. So, there's, so you, you could have some athletes that, that uh, you know, even their hands and arms might have some limited mobility. Okay. What's it like being in that team environment where everybody has gone through something difficult, something that has affected their athletic aspirations, and, you know, everybody is sort of, uh, sort of dealing with their own thing, but you're also in that team environment. What's it like? I, I really love it. Um, you know, if you kind of fall and get hurt as a 4-5, you can't really say anything because people have had it way worse than you. <laughs> so you just get up and you're fine and uh you know everyone's came from such a different background that 
it just makes us super unique as a group. And as a, on our women's team with Team Canada, we bring so much to the table and everyone brings something. And it's just a really special group right now. And I really love our team environment and we have a lot of fun with it and we joke around, we bug each other. And I think that's what makes us really special. So in Alabama, how many Canadians are on the team? There was two of us. Two, and where was the other one from? Uh, Rosalie Lalonde was from Quebec. Okay, cool. And then with the Canadian women's team, how often are you together for training and for competition? Um, so we centralize basically from May all the way to the end of September. So we're with each other every summer. And then we usually have one or two weeks the rest of the year where we come together just to train and regroup and get ready for the summer again. And when did you officially qualify for these Paralympics? Did, when, when was that event? Uh, it was the uh, Pan Am Games that were held in Lima, Peru in the end of August. Oh, so you guys have been in for a while then? Yeah. Okay, and did you, and did you have to win those or finish? How high did you finish? Uh, so we had to be top two in the tournament, and we ended up beating the U.S. in a very close game and ended up winning gold. Now, did you play against any of your Alabama teammates in that game? Uh, no, but I have played against a bunch of those girls that um, left their college after five years, and I played against them against the USA. Okay. And what, uh, what, what have you been studying at school? Uh, I've been studying exercise and sports science. Okay, now, sorry, what was the status again? Are you still going to have to finish, or how, what's going on? Uh, right now, they moved all of our classes online, so we basically finished that out, uh, do our final and everything online, and then, unfortunately, my graduation was also canceled, so they're just going to be mailing me my uh, bachelor's of education. Oh, wow, okay, quite a change. All right, so yeah. you do have online classes while you're in quarantine, so you can't do radio interviews all day. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron, it, it, like I said, it's, it's been a few years since you were on before. You're, you're a great story. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm from a small town originally, so I love, I love the small town stories. You've done incredibly well, and uh, you, you play a sport that, uh, you, I mean, you described how dedicated and, and awesome the athletes are, and uh, it's a sport that doesn't get enough attention, so we're, I'm glad we're able to give it a little bit tonight on Inside Sports. And let's stay in touch because we're going to see what happens here with the Paralympics. And I, I have a feeling you're going to be going next year. It sounds like they're going to postpone everything. So uh, let, let's talk when that's all, all nailed down, too. Thank you so much. Oh, your Twitter handle. you got to tell the story of your Twitter, Twitter handle. <laughs> tell people what it is and, and, and why you picked that. Um, so my nickname in the wheelchair basketball world is Juice. And uh, I got that when I first started playing wheelchair basketball. We went to a tournament with only six players. And at the time, I was maybe playing five, ten minutes max. And one of the girls got hurt, and I ended up having to play a whole game. And probably the second quarter, I was dying. I did not look like I was healthy out there. And my coach, Daryl Nordell, called a timeout and gave me a juice box. And he's like, you need to drink this because you look like you're dying. So I was sitting there chugging this juice box. And then I went back on court and ended up getting like a triple double, a bunch of fouls. Like I just had a lot of energy again. And 
he wrote Juice on his whiteboard and waved it in the air. And ever since then, I've been known as Juice. And so I made my Twitter handle, the underscore Juice. <laughs> if you want to follow Aaron, it is, uh, yeah, capital D-A-H underscore Juice with a capital J. That is uh, that is Aaron Young, the pride of Legal, Alberta. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Keep in touch thank you. and all the best. Thank you so much. That was awesome to catch up with uh, Aaron. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously disappointed uh, that the Paralympics, uh, the Canada is not going to go to the Paralympics if they are held this year, if they're postponed to 2021 in Tokyo, then we're going to send a team. So, uh, you know, Aaron disappointed but understands what's happening in the world. And you got a little bit of uh, about her career with uh, Alabama and her injuries and what led her into wheelchair basketball. Man, she is an incredible story. Awesome to have her on the show. Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, gave her update earlier today. Since yesterday's update, we have confirmed 42 new cases of COVID-19. This means that 301 cases have now been identified in our province. We suspect up to 24 of these cases may be community transmission. 18 individuals have been hospitalized and seven are receiving care in the ICU. There have been no additional deaths. Three Albertans have recovered from COVID-19 so far that have been reported to us. I would like to take this opportunity now to update you on the investigation into the Edmonton Bonspiel with Western Canadian physicians and other healthcare workers that occurred March 11th to 14th. All attendees have been contacted and are self-isolating. We have determined that 11 of the 47 Alberta healthcare workers who attended the event have now tested positive for COVID-19. Many of these are physicians. Some of these individuals worked early last week before notification came through of the case associated with the event. And all contacts are being notified as per usual local public health follow-up. Some of these contacts have been patients. I was able to speak with one of the organizers last night who described the measures that were taken to follow guidelines that were in place at the time. Despite these measures, transmission took place, and the key messages that we can take away from this event are, number one, even mild symptoms, minor sore throat or runny nose, can result in spread of infection. Number two, commonly touched surfaces, like serving spoons at a buffet, can be a mechanism for spread. COVID-19 does not discriminate. All of us need to be vigilant with regular hand hygiene, staying home even with minor respiratory symptoms, and keeping unwashed hands well away from our faces. That is a little bit from Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Full story, 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. 8 o'clock tonight here on 630Ched, a global news special, Coronavirus Canada in crisis. U of A football coach Chris Morris had some very strong words about the coronavirus and how we should be.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply handling it and how he hopes we're remembered years from now when the crisis has passed. He's our next guest after the news on Inside Sports. Tuning in tonight, I have to thank Lyndon who has texted 780-496-0063. Lyndon, you got to help me out here, though. You have to let me know what system you're using, what computer program you're using, if you're playing it yourself, if you're if you're watching, because Lyndon has done some sort of simulation of the game that was scheduled for tonight between the Oilers and the Ducks, and uh, it was a good night for the Oilers with a 7-2 victory, including going 3-for-4 on the power play and 3-for-3 three three on the penalty kill. Leon Dreisaitl picking up a hat trick. Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Clefbaum, and Neal also scoring while Connor McDavid posted four assists, and Mike Smith got the win in net with 28 saves. Lyndon, just let me know... Uh, what system you used? Did you play this yourself? Did your seven-year-old nephew play? I don't know. You got to give me the complete information. But I love the text the seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It's been very interesting to see how we as human beings are are handling the crisis that we're in with the coronavirus. A few days ago, Chris Morris made a very passionate post on Facebook. You know Chris well. He's on the show frequently. He's the head coach of the Golden Bears football team. I'm just going to read a couple excerpts from his uh, post before we bring him on. He started off by referencing uh, a previous generation of, uh, of Canadians who fought in the Second World War. And Chris wrote, they fought and died to make our world a safe and better place. The world now celebrates this generation as heroes, and history will always remember and honor their great sacrifice. Chris, later on in his post, wrote, our response thus far to this challenge is not how I am sure we would all like our generation to be remembered. Will the history books be filled with pictures of empty shelves, stories of hoarding and less vulnerable people ignoring their responsibilities as no real harm can befall them personally? Will future generations look at us as the ones who refuse to take simple steps to prevent what is completely avoidable catastrophe and allowed thousands, if not millions, to die needlessly? This is our generation's moment to do what is right. Chris also wrote, there will be no statues built for the actions that are required. This is not hero work. Regardless of how we respond, history will be watching. My hope is that history will record our coming together to protect the vulnerable. Uh, Really well written. If you're friends with uh, Chris on Facebook, you've probably seen it. There were a couple of newspaper articles written about it. And Chris Morris from the Golden Bears football team joins us now. Chris, thanks for coming on tonight. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Reed. How about you? I'm doing okay. We're uh, we're making through it, uh, and I, I wanted to have you on as soon as I, I, I saw that post last week, so we're finally able to connect tonight. Uh, Chris, you put yourself out there in the nature of social media. I'm sure you had some people who agreed with you, and I'm sure you had some people who decided to take shots at you, but tell us 
just first of all, I mean, you could have felt that way and just verbalized it to those close to you. Why do you feel it was important to post that? Uh, you know, Reed, I, I'm in a leadership role with a bunch of kids who have the potential to be really, really strong contributors to our society and really, really strong in our community and do wonderful things. And if I don't voice those things and if I don't lead them in a direction that I think is, is community-minded, and I, I, think I'm, I think I'm not doing my job. And I think posting that had more to do with me feeling like I'm doing my job as the head coach of the University of Alberta Golden Bears than anything else. I just, I honestly feel there's an obligation that we all have, and especially, you know, those close to me and those in my circle. What sort of reaction have you had since you posted that? You know, I haven't had one negative thing, to be honest with you. Well, like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, <laughs> it's not like it's going out to millions of people. It's just <laughs> people who know me, right? So it's, it, you know, I think people understand what's going on. It's, it's really, really hard for, for young people to, to look at all the, the, the changes happening in there. It's hard for older people who, who have their savings now reduced by half because of what's happened with the stock market. It's, it's hard for everyone to fathom why we would do all these things to look after a, a certain section of our population. And, and I just, I, I really like the analogy to World War II because those are the guys. Those are the people who are sitting there right now who are very, very vulnerable. And they have years left to live. And I just think it's so ironic that we can, you know, you see these pictures of people out at the beach or people out having a good time and just sort of laughing it up. And the, the, the younger people who just don't really put it all into perspective, those were the guys who went and fought and died. 40, 50, 60 years ago, when, you know, in, in the 30s and sorry, in the 40s when World War II took place. And I just think it's such a great comparison to put the two together and to, and to look at it. And, you know, it's not it's not that people people lack the ability to step up and, 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 and do what's right in this moment. I just think the understanding of it is, is what might be lacking right now. Well, I've referenced this before. One of the greatest social media posts I've seen over the last week and a half was the one that said your grandparents were asked to go to war you're being asked to sit on your couch you can do it yeah yeah and you know there, there's so many good leaders in this generation and there's so and you know what i and you know what i think is funny too reed is, is sometimes people our age and I, you know i'm in my 50s like you know we're, we're in leadership roles now we're like we're, we're in roles where we should be we should be saying things and trying to help people make the right decision to have people understand what's so important about making the right decision and shame on anybody who's in their 40s and 50s or even in their 30s or even in their 20s, like the, like the kids on my team, who have influence on younger people and have the ability to explain and the ability to talk and the ability to spread what the right thing to do here is. And you don't take that opportunity. Rather, you just complain about them not doing it. Because I'm telling you, 99% of the young people in the world who aren't making the right decisions right now, if it was framed for them in a way they'd get it, they probably would. And it, it's it, it's all of us together trying to get through this moment and we're just at the beginning of it so hopefully we can just keep rallying and and figuring our way through it well chris well said and and good for you for taking your role as a coach and a a mentor beyond just uh calling plays every friday or saturday and and taking kids through practice good good for you what sort of uh interaction have you had with your players over the last uh couple of weeks as we've started moving through this crisis oh (laughs) Unbelievable! I, mean, I just so much is going on right now, Reed, with 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 school, right? So they're like the classes have been canceled, so the the final marks have now been issued, but there's not really final marks. There's sort of a pass fail system that most of the universities in the country have adopted because 
it's really difficult to assign a final mark in, in these sets of circumstances. So now with that come many, many implications, like kids who are looking to have a better second semester so they can get back into school, kids that were looking to have a good second semester so they could get into a very competitive faculty, um, lots of scholarship implications because you have to have a certain GPA to qualify for scholarships. Lots of implications regard to living circumstance. Remember, they're here. They're they're kind of my guys when they're here. So like they're, you know, if they get kicked out of residence, or since they kicked out, if, if they have to leave their residence or if they have to, you know, they have to change their living accommodations. Like they, they often turn to myself and my staff. Okay, what do we do? What, where where are we with that? So it's been it's been very very busy working through all those sort of things with the kids. They're, you know, they're young men and they. they they're very, very responsible for the most part. So it, it's been good working with them, but there's been lots and lots of turmoil in their lives over the last few weeks. Um, and, and I know players aren't just on the football team in September, October, and November. There are, there are other off-season uh, requirements or, or workouts or, or just ways to stay connected as, as a team. How have those things been altered? Well, if you think about that, so... Starting January 4th or whatever it was, the first Monday after New Year's, we were we were on under the dome in Footfield at 6, 6 a.m., four days a week. We'd do a run. We'd do a lift. We did that for about two months, and then we started practicing, and we had two weeks of good practice in those mornings, and then everything just ended. So you think about, like, being connected with these guys and seeing them every single day. Like, we see them during the season, but we almost see them – we almost see them just as much during the off season. And, you know, the guys are making great work. We're in the weight room with them and, you know, guys are making great progress and it's just fun to watch all the, all the positive, all the positive things happening. And then all of a sudden it just ends. And, you know, part of it's sad because, you know, so many kids are making such good games and we want them to be good football players. But the other part that's really hard is like that social connection they have with each other. That's a family for a lot of these guys. And now they get dispersed, and they're you know, and they're, they don't have access to that support system. So that's that you know, that's something we got to work through with them as well, because we do have a very very tight knit group, and we because we're together so much, I think that the that sense of family and community is very very important for our guys, and you know, for some of them to be just have it just disconnected and just end right in a, at a moment's notice was was tough. Chris Morris, head coach of the UA Golden Bears football team, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. And I know you posted something else, and I'll let you tell this in your own words, but th- this also impacted some guys. What was it, the Canada Cup they were going to play in? What was the event? Oh, yeah, so the, the World Junior Championships. So oh, sorry, the, okay. That, yeah, yeah, no worries. No, so, the you know, Team Canada is selected every year, and, you know, this group of kids get picked, and they get to go play against a bunch of other international teams. Um, we had, you know, 10 of the 70 guys that were, were part of the initial selection were from our program. So we were very, very proud to... To have 10 out of 70 picked from one school is, is is an incredible accomplishment for our guys. And for us, you know, like for those kids to lose that opportunity, again, really, really tough for them because they, you know, for the first, for some of those guys for the very first time, we're going to get to represent Canada at an international event. So, you know, considering the circumstances, I'm sure they're all, they all understand why it had to happen, but it still is very disappointing for them. And give us an update here, because this says, what, what is recruiting now on hold for, for you sports coaches and teams, or what's going on? Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's, and that's the, t- the tricky part, right, because you get set up. We're set up in the offseason. Like, we do the player, develop, the, the player development stuff in the mornings, and we work through that stuff, and then the rest of our days are spent pretty much recruiting. And, we're, you know, we're connecting with families, and we're getting kids in here on visits, and we're going away to visit people. Like, we, we, you know, we go into B.C., we go to Saskatchewan, Manitoba, southern alberta and calgary and we've done a whole bunch of visits 
leading up till now. And then there were supposed to be a bunch of families coming in to meet us and to, you know, connect with our program and see what everything's about firsthand. So those are all very much on hold right now. Obviously, travel is not, not safe and not prudent at this point in time. But, you know, yeah, it's a, it, it's a big... It's a big, big cog in the recruiting wheel right now. The only, the only positive thing for us is that it's for everybody. So it's not, it would be really, really tough if it was just Alberta, and then everybody else in the country was still recruiting away. That would be very difficult for us to, to be competitive going forward. But because it's a, it's a national and it's you know it's an international hold on all those sort of things, everybody would be in the same place once we get going. Yeah. Do Do you find? Or, or do you hope maybe that because your players and athletes in general are so aware of their bodies and, and their health that there might be quicker buy-in in the sporting community when it's come to some of the things we got to do to keep our hands clean, avoid, you know, all the social distancing and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, our, it's, it's funny. When guys are part of a team, they understand looking out for other people. Like if you're part of a big team, like like a university football program, we talk about looking after each other all the time. Like <laughs> we talk about integrity. Last year, our, our slogan was protect this team or protect this program. Like it's all about looking after each other, right? So that can't help but transfer into how they think about society and how they think about their lives. So some of these guys, like, and that's, I think, one of the benefits. Like it was one of the best things I ever got out of playing football. Like if you could talk about any other accomplishment I ever had, football has, has very much turned me into someone who is a community-minded person. And I, I think it does that with, with almost anybody who ever plays it. So it's, it's, for me, for, the, for these kids, like, they start seeing things that way, and it really, really helps them understand how important all these measures are. And I, I would say that for all of our athletes at U of A, not just, not just the football players, I would say that community should be very, very strong leaders in this area. Yeah, I agree. Chris, uh, I love having you on the show. We obviously talked a few times through uh, last season and to some of your athletes as well. Uh, I know you're uh, excited, and and we hope that your sport is one of the ones that can start on time in in the fall when we get there. So let's hope that's the case. Uh, You know, we had you in studio, and, uh, well, we had you in, and we talked a lot about Ricky Ray one night. So I'm going to have some fun here. Um, Huge story. Tom Brady is changing teams. Yeah. You, you played with, uh, you know, some great quarterbacks while you were an Eskimo and maybe some that, that weren't so great too. We, we, won't, we won't talk about those. But, <laughs> but you know, Brady's an, an older athlete, obviously. Uh, what do you expect his impact can be becoming a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? You know, if you can protect an older quarterback, they're still the best quarterback in the league. So Tom Brady, like it, 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 the same with Ricky. Like if you can, if you can put five guys around them that don't let them get hit every third play, and then you can you can have a coordinator who understands that he can't get hit. So we got to get the ball out a little bit quicker, and and he's a smart guy, so he understands that the ball has to get out. I think you have a huge advantage because I think the older quarterback is the best quarterback because they've seen everything. It's hard to trick them, and they know what to do. The problem is Reed, and it's always been the same. It's not, it's not that their skills erode so much. It's that they become more fragile when they get old. And, and that's the same with all of us. People just start getting injured more. Once you pass 30, it's really, really hard to stay healthy in a violent sport. So for Tom Brady, I, I think he could, like, they can win the Super Bowl if, if they can figure out a way to keep him on his feet and protect him, right? And that's, that's going to be key. And it's not just the old line. You know, I, I know I'm an ex-old lineman, and I, everybody would think that I think that's the most important factor. But him getting the ball out on time and him being in a system where – he does get the ball out on time, and everybody understands how important that is. That's going to be huge. So, like, I think they could be. I think he's going to make a huge, huge difference for them because quarterback is 
the most important position in the game of football. There is no, there's no doubt about it. If you have the best quarterback, you're always going to be in the mix. So I, I think he's, I think that's a huge addition for that team. I think they've, they've, you know, as long as they keep on his feet, they're going to do great, great things with him. Well, and he, he will probably have more explosive receivers with the Bucks than he's had in New England for a while. Maybe even since Moss was there, in terms of pure explosive playability. Yeah, they've got a good offense to set around them. Like it, you know, it was funny. You watching New England last year; they didn't have anything around. Them. Like even Edelman was beat up all last year. You know, with Gronk leaving, like they, they really, even the running game. Like their their center was hurt, so he was out. So they couldn't really run the ball. They wanted the way they really wanted to. So they, they were really operating with sort of you know kind of shell game last year on offense. And you know, you give him a few weapons, and he's always shown that if you give him a few weapons and you protect him. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be some, it's going to be pretty impressive what he's going to be able to accomplish. So, I, you know, I think he's got, I think he's got lots left. You know, the way he throws the ball, it's just, it's just a matter of whether or not he's around the right, you know, the right uh, supporting cast. Chris, it's always great having you on the show. Of, of course, we're going to keep in touch. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on on your Facebook post and and how people of all ages should be dealing with the coronavirus, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Reed. Thanks very much. That is Chris Morris, U of A Golden Bears football coach, chiming in tonight here on Inside Sports. This part of the show has been presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. I'm going to read a a text message here from Mark, who's a uh, loyal listener to the show. He says, "I, I hate to correct what a lot of people are saying, but the Second World War was 75 years ago. The people who fought in it are already gone. God bless them. Uh, I've kept my mouth shut about the situation to this point, um, but that is from uh, Mark uh, writing in. Fair comment in terms of the uh, age accuracy, perhaps, but I I think the uh, spirit of uh, the vulnerability of our older population and perhaps some of the situations or military commitments they were expected to hold as compared to people in in this day and age i i think that is is still relevant mark i do appreciate you uh i do appreciate the fact checking though seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three to call or text we're back after the break crisis that's six minutes away is it is it right at eight count there's no news right at eight no news right, at eight right we're going right to it at eight premier jason kenny today premier of alberta this message to people returning to canada we have tens of thousands of snowbirds returning home from points south uh now at the end of march we need to send a message to all of them that they must self-isolate at their homes immediately upon return to Alberta. This does not mean going uh, to the grocery store. It does not mean going to the kennel to pick up your dog. It does not mean dropping your RV off at a service company to be serviced. Uh, It does not mean going and visiting the grandkids. It means one thing and one thing only, when you come into the country, whether you're driving north through Coots or you're landing in one of our airports, you must go directly and immediately 
to your home without stopping. Uh, and if you need supplies at home, if you need groceries or, or other critical supplies, you've got to call uh, family, friends or neighbours to help you out with that or delivery services. We will not tolerate people coming in from overseas and then mixing with the general population. They would be threatening public health in Alberta. I cannot emphasize this strongly enough. We have heard many, too many stories about people who think that this is uh, the self-isolation rule for 14 days upon arrival is some kind of a vague general hint or suggestion. It is not. It is an absolute public health imperative and we are prepared to, uh, if necessary, use stronger legal tools to impose that obligation on people uh, and stronger penalties if they violate that direction of our um, public health officer. All right, a little bit there from Jason Kenny. Strong words from uh, him today. Definitely on the mark, and you can get more on 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. Oh, Lyndon uh, writing back in. I, I said Lyndon is writing back in. Oh, okay. You thought I said Kellen was writing back in. No, I heard like Did you the last second of it. Kellen. I know this. I I know I'm boring, but geez, you got to stay awake. We got meetings upon meetings happening here. What's going on? Lyndon says, "Sorry, Reed. This is the the uh, the young man, uh, and I believe Lyndon, uh, if I if I remember correctly, is the 23 uh, year old bodybuilder that texts the show. I believe that's who Lyndon is." Uh, so he texted in that the Oilers won seven two tonight in his simulation. So I right. said, "What what were you using for the simulation?" Uh, he said, sorry, Reed, no scientific explanation for that box score, but I figured that if uh, another outfit could do a simulation and give Washington six goals in one period against the Oilers, then why not? So I built that one from inside my tractor. Just the kind of numbers a guy would like to see the boys put up in their home stretch while pushing towards the playoffs. That is from Lennon. Okay, so he, basically what Lennon is saying there is that he simulated the game in his head. That's how, so we got, so Lind, this is Lennon. 23 years old, bodybuilder, 170 IQ. Plays entire hockey games with all the stats in his head. Wow. Lyndon, please text anytime. Steven, thanks for listening. He just texted in a good night as well. Hey, keep listening, guys. We got an important news special coming up in two minutes. Coronavirus Canada in crisis. I really appreciated that you tuned in tonight. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is the studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Take care. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.